New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. The late and most respected American philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson once said of the Bhagavad Gita, I owed a magnificent day to the Gita. It was the first of books. It was as if an empire spoke to us, nothing small or unworthy, but large, serene, consistent, the voice of an old intelligence which in another age and climate had pondered and thus disposed of the same questions which exercise us. The Gita is about 2,500 years old, and it's an old text that is a divine song, which is one of the most trusted guides for happiness, meditation, and spiritual growth. It unfolds as a dialogue of master and disciple, a friendly chat between Prince Arjuna, a warrior and a highly evolved spiritual seeker, and God incarnate Lord Krishna. It unfolds poetically and serves as a reflection of our own internal battlefield of the soul. Today we'll be exploring the profound wisdom of this sacred text with our guest, Dr. Isaac Bentwich. Dr. Isaac Bentwich is a longtime practitioner and teacher of yoga and meditation. Trained as a physician in Western and Ayurvedic medicine, he founded three life science technology companies, leading revolutions in medicine, genomics, and environment conservation. Dr. Bentwich lives in Israel and is the translator of Gita, a timeless guide for our time. Join us for the next hour as we explore the profound wisdom of this ancient text from India with our guest, Dr. Isaac Bentwich. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. May I call you Isaac? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Isaac, welcome to New Dimensions. I would love a, this this book. I I've kind of avoided it through the years because <laughs> I thought, oh, this is just about a battle, and God is saying it's okay to go to battle and so forth. And it just never really interests me. And then when I got this book. It put a whole different flavor on it. And I was just wondering if you could help us 
talk about why and how the the Gita, we'll call it the Gita, G-I-T-A, I'll spell that for people, Gita, is relevant in these days. Well, as you've uh, indicated, the Gita was this dialogue between a prince and his charioteer, his friend, his teacher, and God incarnate, as they're about to embark into a battle, a battle which the prince uh, did not want uh, from vicious uh, family members. And it is in this uh, freeze frame, as it were, uh, just as they're about to go into battle with the prince sharing with his friend and having this, uh, as you aptly put it, this friendly chat with God. God, what is this life about? Uh, what about the suffering? What do I do with the crisis in, in my life? Now, he has a sizable crisis of going into battle. Why is it relevant uh, here? Because in a sense, uh, we all have our uh, battlefields of life um, in career, in parenting, in relationships, uh, uh, even the battle between our spiritual life and uh, the rest of uh, life. And so uh, we actually uh, are sort of sitting um, on Arjuna's, on the prince's uh, shoulder, and it is an invitation to have our friendly chat with God relating to the challenges in our life. I always think of the Gita, and this may sound uh, funny, uh, I think of the Gita as an autobiography, your autobiography, <laughs> uh, my autobiography. As we listen to it, we identify with the prince and hear him uh, voicing our, we are the prince or princess of this, uh, of this journey. And it is also, and this again may sound like a, a funny statement to make, it's a sort of a spiritual cliffhanger. Uh, <laughs> right, right. It keeps you at the edge of your seat. Uh, once you get into the hang of it, what's he going to ask next? Uh, these are questions that I am voicing, and the dialogue is with the inner voice of my soul in this uh, dialogue. And so it's not external, and it's, and it's not across centuries or continents, as it may seem at first, and it's certainly not about uh, uh, an invitation to, to go into battle. It is an invitation. Uh, to go into the battle of life, to live life fully. I, I would love to give our listeners just a, a tiny flavor of what you're talking yes. about. And I'm just opening the book, yeah. and this is chapter 8 called Path to the Divine. And it starts off, and you put in the top, you'd say prince, so you know yeah. that this is the prince or Arjuna speaking. Right. Here's what he says, and this is in the poetry yeah. of, the, of the Gita. What are inner self and divine, O oh Master? Can you please explain? What's the material plane you spoke of, and what is the spiritual plane? What is God to whom we all pray? Who governs the action plane? And at death, how are you revealed to those whose senses and mind are enrained? So that just gives you, like, oh, those are all the questions. What is God, you know? What is the spiritual plane? What is, these are our questions. Yeah. And, and it's like they're in a kind of poetry. Yeah. Yeah. And Isaac, I would love for you to share with our listeners 
when you first came across the Gita yeah. and how resistant <laughs> you were at the very beginning. So if you could describe to us that. Well, I have to take you back in time, and I'm pleased to do so some 34 years back. I'm a medical student, second year at the time. I was uh, participating in a, a yoga teacher's training course, a month-long uh, course, uh, quite intensive. Uh, just going on the course is a bold action uh, because it's smack in the middle of the examination period, which is extremely uh, uh, intense. And so it is only the uh, foolhardy boldness of my late mother who encouraged me, unlike a typical Jewish mother, go, do the course, and the exams will be fine. You will uh, be uh, relaxed, you'll be uh, concentrated, you don't get to uh, study 14 hours a day as we students uh, would do, you get to do three hours between the course and, and you'll do in three hours what you, sh you would have done in, in 14 hours. I loved the course, it was a transformative experience for me, I loved the asanas, the yoga postures, I went there basically because I was teaching yoga to make ends meet and pay for my tuition and I loved the, uh, yoga and so I heard there's a yoga a teacher's training course and wanted to uh, improve my act. I heard that there would be some philosophy. I was fine with that. I heard that there would be some meditation. I, I have practiced meditation before, so that was nice. And so I loved all of it, or I should say most of it. There was one thing which I really hated, and that was the Gita. <laughs> <laughs> There was an hour a day uh, dedicated to uh, the Gita, and for the life of me, I couldn't understand why they're teaching it or why I should be listening. And so I would uh, barely hang on in there, waiting for the hour to be over, and uh, not at all attracted by this Indian mythology. And like you mentioned, this war and the, these gods. And uh, I was very much connected, uh, still am, to my Jewish roots. It had high reverence for the Christian teachings and Buddhism, Hinduism, etc. But uh, um, no need uh, to, to go and pursue mythology. And so uh, it was only later that, that the Gita really became a, 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 a big uh, love in my life. I think second only to my wife. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. And I can, I can feel I went to a reading and when you were just reciting some of the poetry of the Gita was so beautiful. I felt it that it really has infused your heart. Yeah. And you mention in the book and, and show all these quotes of all these people, like Beethoven and all these physicists and yeah. and Goethe, the poet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just all sorts of people that Really this have is, this is really, yeah, this is really amazing. You know, when I, it's only uh, much later as I was researching towards the, uh, uh, later than my involvement with the Gita, I was, as I was preparing for the book publication, that I, I researched it more and, and was really blown away by the sheer uh, number and variety. Uh, I don't think there's anything quite like it. You know, uh, uh, finding a book, a, a wisdom scripture that's 2,500 years old and that is uh, adored or, uh, and has influenced some of the, um, the greatest uh, creative minds in, in human history in Western history. 
from uh, Beethoven, as you mentioned, to Carl Jung, from uh, the greatest uh, theoretical physicists. What do physicists have to do with a uh, quantum physicist have to do with Vedanta philosophy? This was uh, uh, news to me. I didn't know. And Vedanta, the, the basic principle and basic right. text of Vedanta yeah. is the Gita. Is that what I wouldn't say it's the basic text. There, there are several texts, but it is certainly a text that captures that is based on this uh, philosophy or understanding of the highest uh, wisdom of non-duality. And we can talk more about that. Right, right, exactly. So uh, it was just amazing to find some of these quotes and to find that uh, Gandhi actually came in touch with the Gita in English translation. And it was translated into English back in the 1700s. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and so Gandhi viewed the, the, the Gita as the, the crux of his teaching, and it really transformed his life. He, he met the Gita first in his English period when he was studying in England and, and just uh, uh, looking for himself. And it was away from home that he uh, got in touch with these teachings. Uh, he would later say that it is really the, 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 the ultimate uh, scripture. If you take away all of the other scriptures, the vast uh, hundreds, thousands of pages of India, and just the Gita remains you'd be in good shape. Uh. <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds really wonderful. Let's pick this book up and see what it has to say. I'm talking with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is the translator of the Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Time. And we'll talk more about that translation in just one moment. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, New Gita. N-E-W-G-I-T-A, newgita.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is a translator of the Bhagavad Gita and his book entitled Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Time. And I, what I love about the construction of this book is that before each chapter, and there are like, I guess, 18 chapters, okay. and each chapter you have this preface, and you've done the preface in the shape, the words, 
form a vase, which is just beautiful. So it's this vase. And I'd love for you to give us a flavor of how you guide us through the reading of the Gita. And so I'm going to ask you to read at least part of the preface to chapter 7, which is uh, the chapter of wisdom and realization. I love that, and, and it's actually a chapter that also begins the second part of the Gita. The Gita is divided into three parts, uh, three paths, the path of action, the path of devotion, and the path of wisdom. And so this uh, chapter 7 is also the introduction to this path of devotion, which is really a, a path of the heart. Uh, we start with the path of action on how to uh, act in the world. What do we do tomorrow? morning? How do we uh, take our groceries? What do we do when we're next insulted or angry? Or uh, And then the next step up is really waking up to opening our hearts. And so this is what the, the, this vase introduction to the, uh, to the chapter 7, uh, which uh, reads, chapter 7 introduces us to Gita's dazzlingly poetic second path, the path of devotion. From a focus on action and on how to act wisely in the world, we now move on to the realm of poetic intuition and of cultivating our emotional intelligence and devotion. It introduces us to an inner journey that is not attainable through efforts or technique or intellectualization, but through poetic simplicity and intuitive ecstasy. So that's the first part of that introduction. So you can, uh, I know that our listeners can get a flavor from that of how you're holding our hand. And I thought that what, what was important, the, the word that really popped out at me in this yes. introduction, and I know that you emphasize this, that the Gita is not an intellectual journey. It's something else. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> Uh, It is a journey beyond intellect. Uh, Our journey, our inner journey into our own self, uh, into our heart, uh, begins with uh, intellect and ego playing um, uh, the lead role. Uh, In fact, so much so, we live our lives uh, uh, feeling that I am ego, I am intellect. Uh, If intellect is shut down, what else uh, is there? And the Gita takes us beyond that, beyond thoughts, beyond emotions, into the uh, great beyond, as the Buddha once called it, into the, the ecstatic silence, the divine uh, that exists underlying this uh, cloud of, of thought. Uh, think about it. We, we're living within this messy cloud of thoughts and an emotion. I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm thinking this, that. Uh, I think Arjuna says uh, the the mind is like wind or something. Yes. What does he say? Uh, yeah, he says uh, the, the the mind is difficult to to control. Uh, even the wind uh, can be easily more easily controlled than the than the mind. Uh, how does one do it? And the Gita loving. Uh, walks us step by step uh, in doing uh, so. Maybe I'll, I'll read a, a verse that, that describes this oh, uh, 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 challenge. 
in describing this um, meditative process, there's a few verses here that, that are uh, wonderful. First, describing the end goal. How does one feel when one is more in tune with one's self? When the mind, says the Gita, restrained by yoga, Yoga here means the totality of paths going inwards. Every religion, every path, every, in every culture, this is yoga. It's not just going to the gym uh, in your neighborhood. Uh, when the mind restrained by yoga within itself quietly rests, it is then one experiences one's true self, knows joyous content in one's breast. And here is a, a verse that, that gets my uh, hair standing on end. Then does such purified heart know bliss that's beyond what senses can. Established in this reality, never to wander again. Having obtained it, one now knows this treasure is superior to all. Knowledge so certain cannot be shaken. though greatest of sorrows befall. And then he explains, yoga parts us from pain, O prince, pain we thought would always be there. Practice it therefore determined. And then he reminds, be joyful, never despair. Such beauty. Oh, uh, and, and, and then going into the mechanics of training the mind, uh, which is much consolation, reminding us even the biggest masters have to train the mind. And it, this is not easy and it's a gradual process. Utterly abandoned desires, Prince. No, they all arise from your thought. The wild pack of senses restrain discerning what's real from what's not. And Now, that doesn't mean that we don't act like that. We don't do some action, but it, it guards us against what if, we, if we're going to do an action. Well, the, the action is the center of our living, and, and indeed we're not advised to retreat from the world. But as we do so, let us uh, uh, gradually, patiently train the mind uh, to maintain uh, equilibrium, to maintain peace, as our life unfolds and as life acts through us. Just two more verses that, 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 that I owe you in order to explain the dynamics which the Gita describes. Patiently, O Prince, bit by bit, let one gradually calm one's mind on divine inner self focus inwards, not letting the mind wander round. Time after time, mind will stray outward by senses drawn away, time and again it be withdrawn, focused on inner self alone. I, I find this very consoling because we'll, we'll talk now about the action and how to act in the world, but this uh, uh, sharing that, that sort of puts us in the same presence of the masters. This is written for us, May you and me, as well as for the greatest masters, we all struggle with this roughened uh, mind. So it's like, a, a, for me, it's, it's a lot of consolation because, you know, I, uh, we can talk about all of these theories, but then again, we sit to meditate or we try to gain a peace of mind and a ticket we got or an insult that was there or joy that, that came about and 
were berserk. Uh, and so uh, this understanding patiently of Prince bit by bit, let one gradually calm one's mind, it's a gradual process. Uh, in other words, when you're feeling my mind is out of control, I cannot control it. Here comes the most authoritative guide on earth, or one of them, and says, hey, you're in good shape. <laughs> This is just the nature of the mind, nothing personal. <laughs> just persevere. And that, that uh, a reminder previously, be joyful, never despair. It's okay. It's like this dialogue we're having with the inner voice of our soul. I'm not getting anywhere. I've been trying to practice. My life is in shambles, but, but more than that, I cannot control the mind. It is okay. You're doing great. <laughs> Just be joyful and never despair. Time and again, time after time, mind will stray by senses drawn away. Yeah, that's the nature of the mind. Enjoy the world. Your senses are drawing it away. You need to control them as you control a pack of wolves. But this is something that requires patience. Uh, be joyful and never despair. So like uh, something attracts our attention and we're joyful and we, we want to run away with that. It's, it, it's about not being attached to it. It's about, it's kind of a paradox like to, it's okay to feel the joy But there's a warning about then expecting the joy or, or then making wanting to control the joy or what, what, what is it? What's, wh well, th this, this actually leads us to, to the starting point. We spoke about these three paths that the Gita describes, the path of action, the path of devotion or the heart, and then the path of wisdom. And so uh, we sort of jumped uh, into the midday section of describing the, the heart and the uh, devotion and meditation. The starting point are actually actions. Uh, we're addicted to actions. We're living in a world of, uh, of action. And Gita is a masterful guide for the art of living life wisely. How do you live in the world? And so uh, perhaps one verse that, that sort of captures the, the essence of this art. Desires aside, all actions and offering. The wise rests on action, by action untainted. Like a pure lotus leaf in muddy waters, resting on water, remaining not wetted. So this is such a beautiful analogy that has been used in all spiritual uh, uh, traditions. We are like a lotus, says the Gita. We have our roots deep in the mud of our material Uh, nature, our animal nature, and the material nature of the world around us. But our true uh, essence is spirit, like a pure white lotus leaf uh, resting in muddy waters. If we act wisely in the world, not attached to our actions, not wishing or not focused on the results of these actions, I do this so that that will happen. If it doesn't happen, I will be frustrated. I need to work harder so that this will happen or that will happen. That's folly. That, uh, that causes a lotus to be sullied by muddy waters. We can float on, on the muddy waters, and indeed the wise are given as an example, by resting on action, remaining un untainted. Uh, 
action happens, but it is not their doing. We're encouraged to feel life acting through us. When I do something, it is not I that am doing. Uh, it is action doing itself through me. When we entune ourselves to this, we actually feel it. This is not some philosophy or, you know, we give birth to uh, uh, children. Did we do these children? Did we make these children? I mean, I put you in a room. Will you make it a, a child for me or, <laughs> or a grain of rice or anything? We do nothing. Nature is acting and uh, uh, working through us. I'm here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is the translator of the Bhagavad Gita, Gita, a timeless guide for our time. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to the website newgita.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is the translator of Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Time. And I would, I would love for you to share, Isaac, with us how you, it took you 12 years to write this translation or yes. to get this yeah. down, many iterations of it. And at some point, you discovered the music in the original Sanskrit uh, of the Gita. Yes. And somehow you you were able to incorporate <laughs> that. Can you describe that y to us? Yeah. I, uh, my uh, love affair with the Gita has been going on for many years. And obviously there are many good translations of the Gita. As I started off by scribbling verses, uh, trying to, you know, that like you go to lectures and you write stuff so that you can understand, uh, understand it better. And uh, so I was going through this exercise mainly for myself as my own sadhana or spiritual practice and got uh, into this uh, peeling layers of mythology and terminology and trying to capture the essence of each uh, verse. Some of the masters along the ages described the Gita as a necklace of 700 pearls of wisdom. Isn't it a, a, a lovely uh, analogy? And it's actually, I, I say that it's, it's very accurate, this uh, description. Each verse of the Gita is like a rounded, uh, smooth, a pearl of wisdom that can roll around in your mind uh, and it is uh, associated with the pearl before it and the pearl after it and yet stands on its own uh, right. And so I was working with these verses and trying to get to their essence and to put them in simple uh, words that capture the, the, uh, 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 the commentaries uh, around them. And as I was doing so, um, I started putting them in in poem form 
I don't know exactly why I did that. It seemed right uh, to do so, and uh, over time it evolved to putting them in four lines. I, um, I then put some, some rhyming uh, uh, into it. This was mostly ignorance. I, I, was not no, I did not know what I was doing um, uh, as such, or to be more accurate, the intellect, <laughs> 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 which we think knows what it's doing, um, um, doesn't have a clue. Uh, in life in general. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, um, you can imagine my shock as I found out, uh, out of my ignorance, I did not know that the guitar was a song or that it was put in a meter or what that meter was. Uh, imagine my shock where I found that the, the format that I was writing was actually almost identical to the actual meter and rhyme of the Sanskrit original. And it has something to do with the amount of syllables. Yes, within. four lines of eight syllables. Um, this is not uh, any voice talking to me on the, from the sky or me saying that I'm, I'm spiritually evolved or anything. I, I'm just uh, describing how things unfolded. Uh, and so as I was doing this, I, I went back again. The, the translation was many, many iterations, uh, working on one verse a day or two verses a day sometime. Uh, and so I went back and, and put it in the exact syllable count of eight uh, verses and it is only then that I could start to hear the music of the Gita and uh, you can actually hear it and the, you, you can actually sense that the syllable count is important but sometimes need to be relaxed uh, and it's not just about rhyming it's about the music of it and then you get what it really was meant to do in the first place those commentators these big masters Man, they weren't kidding. Uh, they are the smooth pearls of wisdom, which when you meditate or when you think of them, meditating um, alongside the reading is highly recommended. Um, don't just read the book. Um, it's not as like a, a novel no, that no, you're going to read like No, it's not like a novel. No, you can read it uh, as right. such. And there's no crime in that. But, but if you want the, the full effect of it, opening your heart and doing it alongside meditation, whatever form of meditation suits you, jogging, swimming, or formal meditation, you actually feel them doing their thing. They're rolling in your mind. There was a, a Tibetan teacher whom I greatly admire. Uh, and um, as I was studying and practicing Tibetan Tantra and Buddhism, uh, Lama Yeshe, who once said, don't uh, get hung up about mantras as being something foreign or Eastern. You're using mantras every day, he says. Currently, you're thinking money, money, money. <laughs> Why don't you change it to some, something more effective? Uh, and so, uh, yes, this, this melodious of the Gita, yeah, our mind is contaminated with jingles and with ads and with uh, uh, verses that we, we uh, mundane verses, usually ones that are taking us down. I'm angry, 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 or I, or I want more, 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 or I'm a loser, 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 or I'm a winner, 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 whatever <laughs> state of mind we're at uh, right now. So feeding these smooth white pearls of wisdom into our mind and letting them roll does miraculous uh, things. And this, is, this was my motivation in, in doing so. Once you get the hang of it, 
you really can't let go of smoothing the, the pearls until they're, they're perfect. One of the other things that you've done in this translation that I appreciate, you've taken some of the Indian words like yes. Brahman, Atman, uh, Karma, uh, Yana, uh, the Ganas, the Dharma, all, all of that. You've, you've simplified that language. So uh, Brahman is the divine, yeah. you know, or Atman is the inner self. Yeah. Yeah. And you've also made this more available to the feminine as yes. well. Yeah, well, the, the, I'll, I'll begin with the feminine. It became very important to me uh, to, um, this will only late in this 12-year journey, uh, to make sure that it is uh, uh, written for, uh, for women not less than it is for, for men. Uh, this is a, here is a scripture written uh, 2,500 years ago, completely different social setting. The teachings are very profound and, and they're not biased against any uh, gender. Uh, in fact, they're beyond the ego and everything. And yet virtually all of the 200 existing translations have fallen into this of translating it in male form. And I thought, hey, you know, if I was a woman, this would not sit right with me. Why, when, when the, where, where there are these beautiful, inspiring translations that elevate us to mimic, to aspire to what the yogi is like. He accepts a pleasure and pain even-mindedly. His home is nowhere and everywhere. These are great verses. Why the he? <laughs> uh, I, at first, it seemed like such an impossible task that I was even contemplating making two uh, versions of the Gita, uh, speaking for women and speaking for men, because it, it, it's such an autobiography. You miss the whole book if you don't understand that this is a book written about you and for you. It's not about some prince in some uh, ancient... And how, is, uh, how can that be if it's uh, speaking and not in uh, the gender that, that uh, speaks so to me? So, uh, and today, this is more important than ever. Uh, we have uh, women uh, not only participating, but leading spirituality and yoga and, and so forth. And so this ancient scripture, I felt needed to be brought to the current century and, and to speak, uh, uh, to be woman empowering and, and speak to women as it does to men. And as for the, uh, the terminology, yeah, that has been important for me from the beginning, but I, uh, it's interesting that it's only very late in the 12-year journey, only the last two years uh, did I, was I able to take the, the last mile uh, because I was very, very sensitive, uh, careful not to miss or to water down the, uh, the expressions. And so the, the, the Gita is not some, you know, wishy-washy, uh, tree-hugging uh, theme of, you know, Shanti, everything will be okay. It's more like a, a neurosurgeon's manual. Every word, every term means uh, something. And so it was important to, uh, for example, if you take Atman, which is the Sanskrit word for self, 
by using the original Sanskrit terms, you're actually missing the point of the Gita. I called it inner self so as to guide our attention inwardly and not label it as, as something. You know, I, I think, Isaac, uh, because of your scientific nature, you know, you have, I mean, you're a doctor, you've studied, you've, you've done all these program inventions and yeah. organizations and done all of that. So in some ways, that's really served you in, in this translation because you, like a surgeon, you have gone in and looked at these little Pieces. It's interesting that you say that. I, I'm, I'm sure, we, you know, we're all served by our biography, and, and th this is one of the themes, the, the deep themes of the, the Gita. Every moment in our life is dictated by everything we've done until now, um, and both serves us as well as entrenches us. Uh, I've, uh, I've experienced both the uh, things that served me and the things that entrenched me, and, and uh, uh, working on the Gita helped uh, grow uh, uh, working on them. Uh, I, I phrase the introductions to each of the chapters in vase shape. Uh, this is the feminine energy, the intuitive one, wanting it not to be square and uh, and 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 pleasing. And so another big love of my life right, of so pottery would, was was uh, something that came through. It uh, would indicate womb-like. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, another question, if we can go to another question that Arjuna, and he, he asked questions throughout the Gita, it's so wonderful. He asked to know the difference uh, between detachment, and we were talking about that a little earlier, detachment, and renunciation, because it speaks about both of these. And can you... Uh, at least begin to tell us before the break a little bit about that. Sure. So as as we just mentioned, every action we do is uh, is based on our past. This is what is known as karma. But the Gita goes uh, an important step beyond that and invites us on this exciting journey to live in the world, to act in the world, but to learn the art of not acting out of ego. Here's a verse that describes this. Hoping gone, craving abandoned, tightly reigning body and mind, ego's good deeds will still bind you. Such egoless acts do not bind. Such beauty and profound statement there. We act through ego. We think that this is unavoidable and so all we can do in life until we meet the wisdom of the Gita is to try and act good acts rather than bad acts. The Gita says, uh, ego's good deeds will still bind you, such egoless acts do not bind. Oh, well, great. We'll talk more about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners I'm here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich and he is a translator of Gita, a timeless guide for our time. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Bye. 
I'm here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is a translator of a new version, a new translation of the Bhagavad Gita, and the name of uh, his book is Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Time. Isaac, I would love for you, there is an analogy that's in the Gita that talks about the ocean and how we're waves in an ocean. Can you illuminate that thought to us? Yeah, the, the Gita takes us uh, on this uh, journey. We mentioned these uh, three paths, the path of action, the path of devotion and intuition, and then the path of wisdom. We're invited first to learn the art of how to act wisely in the world, but then to realize really who we are. And uh, the ocean is a, is a great uh, analogy that the philosophy of the Gita uses and describes. Uh, you see, we, we live our lives with great identification with this body that I have, this mind that I have, these memories, these emotions. And this is uh, as though we were forgetful waves in an ocean. Oh, I'm this handsome wave. Look here at my beautiful wave wife, um, such beautiful curves. Look at my foamy uh, uh, curls. Look at the wavelets that we have. This is my life. And oh, I'm envious of this uh, wave. He's racing ahead of me. I should go faster. This is the folly of our life. And from this, gradually, through the invitation of the Gita, arises wisdom. Yes, temporarily, I am uh, this wave. Uh, it uh, goes up and it will subside and it will uh, vanish. Uh, the same way that this body sometime, uh, and we never know when, uh, maybe in an instant, maybe in 70 years, will be back uh, ashes to ashes. Uh, you are not the wave. You are not this limited body and mind, reminds the Gita. You are the ocean itself. You are life itself. You are divine and consciousness uh, itself. Uh, so am I wave or am I ocean? This confusion arises in, in our mind. Well, I am this body. I'm living in this body. I have these. Yes, yes and no. Uh, is the wave not also ocean? At the end of the day, only ocean is there. When we think of, of paradigms or aspects in our life when, where, where we have wisened up, we can more closely uh, relate and understand the, this, right? Some people think deep. Um, this is a black person. I'm a white person. Hence, I'm different. This is a Jew. This is an Arab. Hence, we are different. Uh, when we are a bit more enlightened with that, enlightened meaning there's a bit more light flowing through us, the windows of our soul are a bit cleaner, then a, a, bigger, a deeper sense of unity is there. I see that his skin is black and mine is white. That's mere skin. We are human beings. This is probably why so many, and you use quotes from many physicists yes. uh, who love the Gita. Yes. This is probably why they love the Gita, because it really, quantum physics is saying, hey, we're, it's all energy, it's all connected. Absolutely. It's, we think we're separate, but... This, but, this is the beauty of, of how you can have on the same scripture a Nelson Mandela saying the verses of this poem are what helped me endure prison. 
and physicists of quantum physics saying, hey, this is what we're talking about, because like you mentioned, it's all uh, uh, atom soup or, uh, or consciousness, if you use the, the, the analogy of the, of the Gita, it's all one. Uh, the diversity uh, is is only apparent uh, as in the beautiful uh, example that that you mentioned which the gita uses were waves of the ocean let us not get carried away with the waviness of us and let us more identify with the the greater truth yes there's a wave there yes here's my wife wave hey we're all ocean it's all water beautiful beautiful thank you there, I, I would love for you to also share with us the idea that when Arjuna asks uh, Krishna, he says, well, what's the best spiritual path? You know, I, I just love it. I just love it that he's asking me very simple questions of, yeah, what is the best spiritual path? And, and the Gita really kind of gives us a deeper sort of, yeah, it doesn't the, say, well, the, this one or this one. It doesn't right, quite do that. Yeah, and it's the same. There are two types of questions of this nature that, that the prince raises. What should I do? Should I fight or should I not fight? And like you mentioned, it's a, a seemingly a very separate question. What's the best path? Is it Buddhism? He doesn't ask this specifically, but yeah, what is the best path? The, the Gita's answer is surprising and, and profound. The action, says the Gita, is not outside but inside. What matters is not action but motivation underlying the action. Uh, two people holding a knife and cutting someone. One is a murderer, the other is a surgeon. Is it not true that the motivation is what matters more than the action itself? We've just not followed this all the way through. Here's a verse from, from the Gita that, that uh, talks uh, to this. Um, Therefore, let your divine nature, inner self, restrain your mind, Prince, your lower human one, then smite your elusive enemy desire within, not without, the real battle is won. And so we're mesmerized by these battles in our life. My wife says this, my husband said that, my bo boss uh, did so, what should I do? It's an external uh, drama. Uh, underlying it is our conviction that our happiness somehow it lies outside and our suffering lies outside and so the solution for this is outside and the Gita says oh no 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 you got it all wrong within not without the real battle is won your enemy is never somebody outside it's your desire uh, I want a new car and my boss did not give me a raise and hence and I think that if I get a new car I'll be happy and so I'm, I've created this immense uh, drama, baseless drama. Gita says it's, it's as real as your dream is. Okay, now Isaac, all right, let me ask you yeah. something, uh, that, for example, I want you to give me a real practical yeah, yeah, example yeah. how you deal with it personally. So, so something happens in your life. Something crosses your path, and for a moment, you you you're drawn into the drama. So, what is the mechanism? What is it that you do in that moment to to live I'm, a better I'm happy life. Happy you're you're asking this question because uh, it's a good point. It's a good time to uh, to say that I can serve as a bad example. 
<laughs> if there's anything that I bring to the table here is that uh, I'm, I'm uh, in this uh, imperfect uh, situation of, of uh, uh, not uh, claiming to be spiritually evolved uh, and knowing how this helps people like you and me. We're advised by the Gita and when an incident, sometimes incidents come in my life where I feel the wisdom of the Gita acting. I can see a, a wave of anger coming through and uh, there is more purity. The Gita spends several chapters describing these waves that go through us. And so there's wisdom, enough wisdom to sense, ah, not I am angry, but a wave of anger is coming through me. It will pass. Uh, and that other times I am overwhelmed by it. And as the Gita lovingly says, we use this at the beginning of our talk, patiently, O oh Prince, bit by bit, let one um, gradually calm one's mind. It's a gradual process. Let us prepare for failure because for many years we've been abusing the mind. We are, now we're trying to train this, uh, to control this pack of uh, senses as, as though they were a pack of wolves. Um, so I can, I can attest from, from my own experience, both where it works as well as where uh, there's a, a still a long way, uh, for me personally uh, anyway, but hey, you know, that's at least living life wisely. Um, even if to the last breath we've not attained that ideal goal, Hey, at least we're doing something wise now. At least we're using every day, every experience to try and make it count, uh, to try and use it as a learning experience. And the Gita in this combination of wisdom that clearly describes un uh, impassionately, here, here is what is happening. We read it as a guide, as well as a consoling parent, a mother, if you will, um, Hang on in there. Uh, it's okay. You fell, you, bro you bruised your knee, uh, but that is life. You're, you're making uh, good steps on the path. I think that that reminds me of the quote uh, that you have in the beginning of the book by uh, Gandhi. And he says, today the Gita is not only my Bible or my Quran. It is more than that. It is my mother. When I am in difficulty or distress, I seek refuge in her bosom. This is the, my favorite uh, quote in the world. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, this, uh, this uh, speaks uh, so much to the essence uh, uh, of it. Here's a, a perfected uh, being. We are imperfect. We have a, a long ways to go. Here's a, a, a frail a, a human being, who's, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, who's begun being very imperfect uh, as a person and uh, underwent this uh, uh, journey with the Gita as a guide. And at the end of the day, such a beautiful message message for us uh, today, uh, speaking it, uh, of it as a, as a mother and not as a text. Right. It is lovely. I, I, it's a lovely way to end to really remind us of the gentleness of this um, beautiful teaching in the Gita. I've been here with Dr. Isaac Bentwich, and he is a translator of a new version of the Gita, called Gita, A Timeless Guide for Our Time. And if you want to know more about his work, check out his website. It's called New Gita, N-E-W-G-I-T-A, New Gita, 
newdimensions.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3682. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org, or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. Thank you.